Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. So today we are talking about nonlinear storytelling. And so sometimes authors will kind of break up the timeline. They'll give you something from later in the story at the beginning, or they'll kind of, um, yeah, play with different types of storytelling that aren't chronological. And so we thought we would talk about that a little bit today and some of the books that we've enjoyed that have done that and kind of why we think it works. Yes. Well, and I don't know if you recall, we had a conversation, I think, about six months ago where we were talking about Ali Hazelwood's novellas mm-hmm. and a specific mm-hmm. one, the um the first under one, one roof. Yeah. yeah. Where it feels like it shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. She she opens up and it's something that really kind of gives us a really big peek at what's coming. Well, it's kind of a couple getting together, the, right? <laughs> it's almost. Kind of like, yeah. um, okay. Almost. Yeah. But it serves as this beautiful lure instead. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of cutting the tension, she's going to jump us right after that prologue jump to the, you know, here's your little in media rest um, yeah. in the middle of things. And you're going to see what happens later. I'm going to hold the good, juicy parts back. And then I'm going to show you like all the things, all the hate that they have to get through. <laughs> in order to get to that point and in some ways like she still allows for that tension because we don't know what the outcome is and we Mm. want them to get together we yeah there's still some tension in that moment in that you don't they haven't met in that place of understanding there's still uncertainty of even what's happening, like even in uh-huh. the stage direction, you know, there's closeness, but you don't know what that means. And I think that's what's great about nonlinear storytelling is mm-hmm. you can you can plant those lures, those things yeah. of like, here's a little treat that's coming. You might have to go through a slog to get there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's waiting for you. <laughs> Yeah. I've been thinking a lot lately about um, hope and how important it is to give readers hope for something to come, like to get readers hoping for something and rooting for something or worrying that something won't happen. Um, Yes. And I feel like this kind of storytelling often, it does that. It gives you this, it almost like gives it away in some ways. And sometimes it can be dangerous because it can ruin the hope and kind of by giving away too much, but it can also like pull the reader forward by giving them, oh, this is what's coming. This is what I get to hope for. And I get to see like, cause really as readers, we want to see how something happens um, and like how yes. we get to that point is really almost just as interesting as what's going to happen. Because I mean, especially with books like romances, which we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks, you know, they're going to get together. Yes. It's not the what's going to happen. Right. It's the how <laughs> going to happen that you want to see. That's yeah. exactly. And, and I think, especially in ones that deal with things like lover you know like the enemies to lovers yeah it is fun to be able to play with that because sometimes if you jump directly into all the hate and all the like it it almost is such a poisonous relationship that like yeah. you can't you can't see that hope you're almost yeah. like how are they going to get through all of 
that all this baggage. (laughs) So by breaking up the the storytelling, you can do Mm -hmm. that. And I love that about that one of hers. And what's funny is she also has in this same kind of collection um, of novellas. Yeah. her little stamina's collection she has two others and they actually do something very different but they're because, still playing with non-linear yep, storytelling absolutely <laughs> but in different and, ways mm-hmm. but in, exactly in those different ways one of them is in a dire life and death situation that mm-hmm. you she's she thinks she's dead like she basically thinks that that one's my favorite she, <laughs> i love that one and in fact, I think she's so smart for that being the last one that she yes. put out. Yes. Because I I read the clip of it and I'm like, I need this book. Yes. This, this what is the title? I'm drawing a blank on the title it's, of that one. It's below zero. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so compelling because yes. she's stuck in Norway and no one is there she has no resources she's you know twisted her ankles she's in a crevice which I she's also a very delightful character to listen to like she's just very funny and like her and her crevice is you know she's talking about her little bit of daylight (laughs) um it's just so compelling but right at the end of that you hear something over the radio mm-hmm. and, and then you snap back and you get history. So we're in yeah. the present of this mortal danger, which super compelling someone yeah. coming to save you. Like that's, that's also like super compelling. <laughs> yes. And then it, it's, it, the nonlinear nature allows her to unfold their history in unique mm-hmm. ways and to show like, there's a part where she's like, but at that point, I already hate him. And so you have like all this beautiful emotion that she's allowed to just unfold as she needs to by breaking up the the nature of it. Yeah. Well, and that's she, another one that feels yeah. dangerous, though, because I feel like especially with an intense situation like that, as a reader, I there is the potential for me to get super annoyed if you go back to a flashback. But somehow yes. she managed to really like I didn't mind like I because the flashback was so interesting itself. Yes. And the other stuff was so compelling, too, that I was like here for it. I was like, OK, yeah, I want to hear how we got to this place. And I think it's a question of organization, because yes. I think if it's just a flashback or flash forward or yeah. a dream sequence or something like that, those can get really obnoxious when they intrude yeah. on the main narrative. But what she does, and and I think that um, it's also done really well in uh, People We Meet on Vacation, yes, is the present sure. is the present and the present yes. is always moving forward and you're always getting the bits of the present so Mm -hmm. we're not we're not jumping back and forth within the present timeline where we're like oh what what is the time frame yeah it's very clear it's very organized here's your present chapter and then we're going back and we're getting a little more of their relationship and then we get the present again and she keeps that balance of emotion between the two really well taught yes we get a beautiful little relationship that we're seeing unfold and she holds that last part the thing that she hates him for Excellent. back yeah. as long as she can yeah 
I loved that. Like, I, I loved how we get all the good stuff. We get all the, and that's what mm-hmm. we're here for a romance as well, right? The unfolding yeah. of that relationship. Like how, how did they meet? And, and when it's a compelling couple who- You want to know all that, yeah. Who have that great rapport, you don't want just to know that he's coming. You want to know like, how did they meet and how did yeah. those things happen and and why are they in the position that they are so it actually adds to that tension that grippiness yeah. um rather than diluting it but i think keeping track of okay we can't we can't jump back and forth just willy-nilly without yes. organization yes and we can't leave one thing for too long yes. because then you're starting to cut it I was just gonna say like the times when it particularly annoys me when writers do yeah. this is when something gets left for too long or when like something I liked with um below zero was that yeah. she is in this very dangerous situation um and it does kind of end on a like end that first section on a cliffhanger, but not really because you know someone's yeah. coming from for her. Like yes. she doesn't just leave it with like, oh my gosh, she's stuck there. I'm know? dying. Like, yeah. yes. <laughs> like, um, there's like enough of a like wrap up to that piece that you know, okay, someone's coming from her. I can hold on to that and yes. come back to it to find out what's going to happen. And so I still want to find out what's going to happen, but it's not like, oh my gosh, don't leave me here. Yeah. Um, and I just read. Uh, Daughter of Smoke and Bone, like that series, which I love, by the way, but but I did not like how she handled some of those dual storylines and some of that because she did leave on these massive cliffhangers, leave one character on a massive cliffhanger because there's lots of points of view, especially in book two, um, and then switch to another character point of view and like right in the middle of the cliffhanger and not go back for like seven to ten chapters. And I'm like, yes, ah, no, <laughs> like, I want to know. I want at least enough of a touch of a wrap up that then I'm ready to go to this other thing. And I, and I think Allie Hazelwood did that really well. Yes. It's, it is that managing that, that emotion because you're, you're trying to keep a balance. You're not trying to push them over the edge. And that's, I hate that when all of my tension Yes. Is with that character. Yes. And, and then like, you switch someone care. else. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I wanted the answer to this question. Here. You're just like throwing me into a whole different book, a whole different <laughs> story now. I'm like, no. Well, and uh, another thing that I loved, uh, and I th- I think, again, Below Zero continued the almost mystery of certain yes. things going through is we don't know she doesn't know how he even knows. Like she doesn't know how he knows. She doesn't know why he's even aware that she's there. Like there's all of these things that she's trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. And he's just trying to ascertain how she's doing. So there's kind of this wonderful natural like tension of like, she's trying to find out information and he's holding some of that back. And so you have like all of this question within you, just like yeah. the character does, of what's even happening. Like, <laughs> yes. But even as she's holding back yeah. those questions as a writer, like the author is also answering some other questions yes. throughout the book. So you get this nice balance yes. of, of give and take. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I I wanted to also just 
stuck up with you wasn't my favorite of them uh, the middle one about. Yeah. yeah um below zero is definitely my my favorite of them all um just i i think that the characters were really compelling how she yeah. did the breaking up of the story was really well done and by the time mm-hmm. you get to the solutions it all just fit in a way that was really yeah, satisfying clicks into place. Yeah. yeah super satisfying but stuck with you I thought was interesting because you don't have like the same thing with like all the hate but you know that there's been a breach like there's yes. in this moment she's stuck in a in an elevator with someone she definitely doesn't want to be in it with and yeah. you're stuck with like that that breach of trust and she holds on to that breach of trust which actually ha- is based on a misconception. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not my favorite trope, but no. I I think she did a great job of like yeah. you don't know that it is. Like yeah. she holds that back so well that you think that you know the full story and then you yeah. get the missing piece to the puzzle like right at the end it kind of swoops in really well it's almost like the reader is also miscommunicated with or like at least doesn't know because sometimes the thing I dislike most about miscommunication tropes is that as the reader you know both sides and so you know it's miscommunication right and it gets so annoying because I'm like ah just talk to each other um yes but something with this was that you didn't totally know that and that actually I don't know for me that almost worked better or didn't make me quite as frustrated I liked that too. I I'm so glad his perspective was not in it that yeah. way mm-hmm. because I think it allowed for a lot of that tension in, in that I think even as you're going through the story and again it's non-linear she's going back and forth between this yeah. really cute meet cute involving a croissant and and like yeah. this perfect date and it it really allowed for you think that there is no solution like yeah. you really do and then she like swoops in with that at yes. end, and I'm like I, I loved yeah. that element of it um I think something I really liked well. about that middle one too it was the mm-hmm. contrast you get these really nice contrasts in scenes between like the present and the past and like yeah you yes. get this great cute meet cute where that you're like Oh, they really like each other and yeah. and then you also get it paralleled with these scenes of like oh they really hate each other and you're like yes. how did you get from here to here um which is a really great question because again like what we want to know as readers is how like it's right. so often more than what we want to know how absolutely yeah. well and I I know I touched briefly on it but I I definitely wanted to kind of bring it up even a little bit more out than Emily Henry's mm-hmm people we meet on vacation which was the next was was really the other one that came into my mind of having done that so well even from an organization standpoint even more out of chronological sense yeah because she she, does jump around a lot more in that one yeah Yeah. like the years but she's very Mm -hmm. clear yes her prologue starts five years in the past and then you jump into the present and then you get you keep getting little vacation stories yeah. um, all throughout because it's kind of like a when Harry met Sally yeah, like, totally. and yet <laughs> we keep meeting and, <laughs> and we're at different points in our lives and different things change yeah. and by choosing the order in which she unfolds those stories even though it's completely out of 
actual order of how they happened, it did such a great job of controlling the how you feel emotionally about the couple and where they're at. And, and the opening itself is just the funniest she gets you looking because you almost think that they're strangers like and and then (laughs) she like twists it and they're not at all and it's just this delightful story that really becomes so compelling for the couple if we Mm -hmm. started anywhere else I it it would have given far too much information away or it would have given the wrong information away it was the like the the choosing of the what emotional state do I want my reader to feel right now yeah. about this couple and let's this will be this story this yeah. will be that story well and that one's interesting too because I think generally as a writer if I was going to tell a story that like okay we're chronological in the present and then I'm yes. going to interweave past like chapters that are about the past throughout that. Like if I was thinking about setting that up, I would start with the present because I would think like, okay, that's the main storyline. And then we're going to go back. And she doesn't, she starts the first scene with the past, but I think you're absolutely right that it sets up what she wants the reader to feel rather than what the character is feeling. Because generally we, we go along with what the character is feeling as readers, right? So if she had started in the first chapter in the present timeline, the character isn't feeling the same things as you want the character to be feeling about about each other. And so going in the past, she can choose a moment where the character was feeling what you want her to feel and what what you want the reader to feel, this kind of like, what if kind of feeling. Um, And so she pegged just the right scene to like get that feeling across, I think. It, it is absolutely that lure of yeah. the like, this is how it could be. Like, yes. This is how it could be. And I think reminding ourselves that sometimes we, we almost overthink ourselves into it has to be this way. It has yes. to be this. We have to do it this way. This is the rules. And that's what I love about the disrupted kind of possibilities of storytelling is that you can break those you can play around with that you can choose what has emotional resonance and that really is the carrot that will kind of pull someone through the story I know that we've talked before about um how Twilight was compelling and I think Mm -hmm. the beginning of Twilight is actually very compelling because it starts out yeah it's another non-linear yeah and it's non-linear and it's at that end point and it then brings up all these questions throughout the entire story that you're yes. like, who is the one stalking? Like, who is, yeah. why is she sacrificing herself? Like, without that, I don't think it would have that same pull. And yeah, that's a great and, point. And I like that, like looking at it like a puzzle and mm-hmm. as long as you're signaling well, <laughs> what's yeah. going on, um, I think it can really work very much to your benefit in being able to orchestrate that emotion um, and how you want everyone to feel. I don't know. Do you have any other examples? Because I have a couple experimental examples that I wanted to bring up. (laughs) I mean, another one that comes to mind for me is um, Love and Other Words by um, Christina Lauren. And she, it's basically two timelines that are Um, like each timeline is chronological, but she interweaves them to kind of get that same effect where you, 
know what's going on in the present and you also know what's going on in the past and these characters have very different reactions to each other (laughs) so you're kind of like how did we get here um in the present i love that from this place before um that one did have some moments that were frustrating for me and i have some personal issues in the end (laughs) but but for the most part i really liked the way she broke up time in that yeah well they i guess that's two two authors yeah yeah. and i think that's good to recognize too that it doesn't always like fully work. Like yes. there, there might be things that you're like, oh, I loved how that worked. And this maybe didn't work as well. Or yeah. or maybe something else kind of yeah. Fell, it fell down with. But yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I already mentioned Daughter of Smoke and Bone, but one of the things in the yeah. first story, in the first book that she does is she has the present tense chronology up till just after the midpoint. And then she like switches to the past. Like you know, jumps back and tells this other storyline that's in the past um, before jumping back to the present again. And that one I found very frustrating (laughs) because I was like really into the present storyline. And then she just like switched. And for like a whole half of the book, almost we're in a whole different, I mean, yeah, it's a story. It's a great storyline on its own that I probably would have loved on its own. (laughs) But, um, and it is, does inform a lot of the rest of the book. So it's important, but it felt like switching books midway and that was frustrating and that's it's momentum is something to to like consider because I don't know about you but like pivoting mid books I it's I have our probably ah, and that's almost why I think I tend to like establish tempo like if it's if it's a tempo and they've said it like Mm -hmm. if the tempo is that they're going back and forth between these Yes. things I know the tempo and I, yes. I, I know what to expect yes. but then if they all of a sudden like shove something else in it's just hard and and, and I, maybe that's just recognizing that you can do it like yeah. it, and the story may call for it yeah but it it could lose it could lose the there's momentum. pros and cons and there's risks the when you're mixing yeah. up the timeline yeah it, it definitely could frustrate things. Um, and I think there's that, again, that balance of like trying yeah. to see what it is you're doing to the the audience and, uh, or the reader and say, is that what I want to do? Like, yeah, is that really um, what I want them to feel um, mm-hmm. or not? Um, and it is fascinating though, how many different directions it can be taken yeah how many different ways it can be used obviously it doesn't have to be we've been talking a lot more about very signaled and very separate changes but obviously they people put them into the actual you know it's just one time frame there's not separation and they use them that way um there's I'm curious about your experimental uh, ones yeah tell me yeah so there is a great um movie uh but it's based on Ted Chang's um I think it's called the story of us um it's called Arrival so the, Mm. the the film is Arrival and it's circular storytelling so it is there are layers of story going on and you actually don't know the time frame of it you you don't completely realize that you don't know the setting of the time of it 
but you don't. Um, huh. There's information that's being shared, and by the the narrative itself, it happens in a circular way. So you have information that's being brought in from the future, and you have information that's being brought in from the past, and it's not set in within time. Hmm. But in the in the film, they do such an amazing job of giving you information in a way that you in your mind feel like you know where it is on the timeline uh-huh. and then they blow your mind at the end um and it's just a it's a beautiful and weird narrative that is definitely worth studying to see mm-hmm. like what is possible with that type of storytelling where you're actually a bit vague on yeah. where that where in the timeline it is and it's for story reasons that then pay off at the end um christopher nolan is like notorious for his chronological games and i think experimental like storytelling from a physics perspective (laughs) so tenant the film it goes backwards and forwards in time like Mm. you actually have a machine that allows you to go in backwards and forwards in time and actual um the physics of things reverse as well it's Hmm. crazy if you want to blow your mind (laughs) watch it um but even more so i think my my one that i think is very interesting just from a screenplay study perspective is memento yeah whenever i think of nonlinear storytelling i think of memento yes and it it is the craziest story that feels like it shouldn't work because every scene is reverse we're we're reversing each scene but the flash the flashes so the present is going in reverse but the flashes are flashing forward chronologically so they're they're following a logical timeline moving forward but the actual present is going backwards it doesn't feel like it should work stitched together that way yeah somehow with each scene he's revealing more information and the the key to the narrative is also that the um protagonist has no short-term memory like he's not able or things are his short-term memory wipes and he's not able to save um things so he everything is kept straight through tattoos and just even his st- screenplay structure of how the narrative works chronologically is just fascinating to see um, mm-hmm. how he wrote it and designed it. So, yeah, those, yeah. those are my experimental ones. <laughs> I think especially with that one, like the fact that the character is disoriented, like having the chrono- chronological chronology be disoriented yes. allows the viewer to also be a little bit disoriented and kind of puts you in the yes. same position as the character which I think is interesting absolutely well and it allows for that punchline they're working towards yeah. the punchline the entire time yeah. um, that we build up to and we literally do not have the final piece of that puzzle until that clicks into place and right as as that scene is playing, it's like that moment of dread that you know exactly what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, it is the most incredible building of tension. Um, yeah. I, and I, I think looking at how his brain works and like how, <laughs> 
he even um, manages time in interstellar which he uses physics to change like the, he uses time dilation mm. which is fascinating so time speeds up for some people whereas it's it is it's going um he has basically his daughter at some point this this astronaut who's out in mm -hmm. space his daughter passes him um yeah. their, their birthdays were the same and then she's she passes him and it's just this amazing like how he uses time in that way yeah. as this That's dramatic true. um moment through the changing of time mm -hmm. for different characters was fascinating so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fun so if you're thinking of writing a story that is non chronological um we say go for it but be careful yeah. there's risks here and so make sure that you like i think these kinds of stories are really important to get beta readers to find out reader reactions yes. to see where where you might be frustrating the reader or pulling them in. And I yes. think also that this kind of story works really well when you have a big reveal that you want to hold back um, or something that changes, that dramatically changes the course for a character. Um, yes. Because yeah, you can then play with like setting that up, change up or and or showing that contrast between before and after that change. Um, so go experiment, have fun, do something different. And <laughs> we hope you come back and listen again next week. Um, thanks for joining us. We hope you keep reading and keep writing and keep putting your work out into the world. Mm -hmm.